Here on the ground, change happens fast. Problems feel frequent and urgent. It's loud and anxiety runs high. From a satellite view, the Earth looks the same as it did thousands of years ago. We've been here before. Let's learn from our past and shoot for a better future. Hello and welcome to another episode of A Satellite View. I'm Todd Mickelson, your host, speaking at you from Saturday, October 7th, 2023. And we are going to travel back in time to 1925. Mein Kampf. Translation, my struggle. It's a 1925 autobiographical manifesto by then-future Nazi party leader Adolf Hitler. Volume 1 released in 1925, Volume 2 in 1926. Hitler began Mein Kampf while imprisoned following his failed coup in Munich in November 1923. A trial put him up for high treason. He received a five-year sentence, and while he was in jail, he wrote this book. After Hitler's death, copyright of Mein Kampf passed to the state government of Bavaria, which refused to allow any copying or printing of the book in Germany. Then in 2016, following the expiration of the copyright held by the Bavarian state government, Mein Kampf was republished in Germany for the first time since 1945. It was followed in 2021 by a thousand-page French edition. Huh, funny how the Nazis are rearing their head again since Trump became president. Uh, it talks about Jewish conspiracy to gain world leadership. Seems he went to Vienna and saw super modern culture. Vienna being very art, a lot of artists. At first, he thought it was cool. He wanted to be an artist, I think, himself. But then he started to think that, wow, these Jews want to run the whole world. In the book, Hitler blamed Germany's chief woes on the parliament of the Weimar Republic, the Jews, the Social Democrats, as well as Marxists. Fast forward to today. What is Trump saying at all of his rallies? We got to get rid of all the socialists, the communists, the Marxists. He leaves out the Jews because the Republicans, although they are completely anti-Semitic, they want to say, no, we're on the side of Israel. You know, they're afraid to talk about the Jews in that way, but yet they have dinner with anti-Semitics. Uh, Trump invited anti-Semitics for dinner to Mar-a-Lardo. Do you see what's going on here? Now, we're also going to talk about some language being used in Mein Kampf. For example, first chapter of the first volume mentions the poison of foreign races. I'm going to quote from Mein Kampf. In the North and in the South, the poison of foreign races was eating into the body of our people, and even Vienna was steadily becoming more and more a non-German city, okay? His opinions of Vienna, the artistic place, the liberals, if you will. Chapter 10, he writes, 
And so the poison was allowed to enter the national bloodstream and infect public life without the government taking any effectual measures to master the course of the disease. In chapter 11 of Mein Kampf, the Jew occasionally bestowed one of his female members on an influential Christian, but the racial stock of his male descendants was always preserved, unmixed, fundamentally. He poisons the blood of others, but preserves his own blood unadulterated. You see what he's getting at here? He starts to talk about open frontiers. That means open borders, basically. In Mein Kampf, here's another paragraph. Unfortunately, the German national being is not based on a uniform racial type. The process of wielding the original elements together has not gone so far as to warrant us in saying that a new race has emerged. On the contrary, the poison which has invaded the national body has destroyed the uniform constitution not only of our blood, but also of our national soul, the open frontiers of our native country, the association with non-German foreign elements in the territories that lie all along those frontiers, and especially the strong influx of foreign blood into the interior of the Reich itself has prevented any complete assimilation of those various elements because the influx has continued steadily. This is the week that Trump used the term poisoning our blood when he's talking about the borders. He's talking about migrants, it's a, it's a horrible thing what's going on right now. It's a horrible, it's never been any worse. The borders are wide open and... And it's uh, poisoning our blood. It's poisoning our blood. He gets all this from Mein Kampf. We got to get rid of the Marxists, the communists. Hitler's main thing was the communists and the Jews. But he also named the Marxists as being tied in with the Jews. In the last episode, we did this same historical correlation taking examples of what the Republicans do, and then saying, you know who else did that? The Nazis. It's kind of astonishing to me because, you know, I did that episode last week because I had just been to Washington, D.C. and gone through the Holocaust Museum for my first time, and I couldn't believe all of the similarities between the rise of the Nazis and the rise of Trumpism. It is exactly the same. All of these Republicans who denounced Trump up until the moment that they praised him and worshipped him and still are praising and worshipping him. It's just like 1930s Germany. And Trump loves to... I love, I love to use the language that, that Hitler guy, he had cool uniforms, he looked great. I always looked great. I don't know about the little mustache, you know, that's not, but, you know... He always had cool clothes. He said good, thing, good things. Many people are saying. Many people. What is going on? I did that episode last week, and now it seems like it's just getting exaggerated this week. And Trump is announcing what he will do if he comes back to power. Just like Hitler tried to do a coup d'etat. Hitler actually went to jail for it. Trump may go to jail for it. But Hitler rose to power after a failed coup attempt 
and even serving punishment. The retribution. I am your retribution. Hitler got so pissed off in jail that he started to write all this crazy crap that Trump is now admiring. It's all about retribution. They th- if they throw me in jail, they'll throw me in jail, and then I'll come back, and then I need you to help me. General Milley, he was a, he was a wimp. And if, frankly, a lot of people are saying he should be hung. He should be hung. So I'm no longer holding back on using the word Nazi and Hitler when talking about the Republican Party and Trumpism. I'm also reading the Cassidy Hutchinson book right now, and she's somebody who decided that she was a Republican when she was very young and was very ambitious and wanted to be working in politics. She was getting internships while she was in college on the Hill in both the House and the Senate side, and then in the White House. Everyone really liked her. She, was, she did a really great job of everything that she was doing, and she rose very quickly to basically be the chief of staff of the chief of staff of the president. And then, of course, we know what happened after that. She ended up testifying finally to the J6 committee, being the star, pretty much the star witness. And I was just reading a part of the book where when she was working at the White House during the first impeachment, she hadn't worked with the president yet, but she was told the president wanted to make sure that no, there were no defections on the Republican side. Uh, Miss Stefanik was a defection until she wasn't. Just about a week before the impeachment trial, she was going to vote to impeach the president. Can you believe that? I mean, she's one of the most Trumpiest people there. I swear to God, if you've listened to enough of these episodes, you've heard me say that I think all of the congressional people are being blackmailed by Trump. They turned right away after having a conversation with Trump when they were completely anti-Trump, and then they completely become his largest sycophant. Why? Many people don't know this, but Russian money got laundered through your campaign in 2016. I wouldn't want anyone to find out. I wouldn't want anyone to find out. So go vote. I'll be watching. Anyway, back to Cassidy Hutchinson. She worked so hard on trying to make sure Republicans voted no on the impeachment. She herself did, uh, believed, and this is reasonable. I, I think this is reasonable. I disagree, but I think it's reasonable. She thought over the first impeachment, which was the call to Vladimir Zelensky, blackmailing him, you know, saying, unless you announce that you're doing an investigation on Joe Biden's corruption... Unless you announce that, I'm going to hold back military assistance for you. You need to announce that, and then I will give you the military assistance that Congress already approved. Very illegal. Yes, high crime and misdemeanor. I think he should have been impeached over it. Cassidy Hutchinson thought it was an inappropriate call. She was not a Trumper. She disagreed with what he was doing in that call, but she didn't think it was an impeachable thing. She thought, you know, if we impeach him for this, then every president's going to be impeached for every little thing. Now, you know, look what's happening now with uh, Joe Biden. So she's not completely wrong. I disagree with her, though, vehemently. But she worked really hard from, you know, five in the morning until after midnight every day for weeks and weeks on this task 
She believed in what she was doing. She wanted to do a good job. She was very young. She was brand new at the White House. She wanted to do a good job, and she did do a good job. And she took pride in that. And then she kept doing that. The next task and the next task. And that's how you get pulled in to the cult. You get pulled in to loyalty, to something that previously you didn't even agree with. That's what happened to her. And now she's going around. She's got a new book. And by the way, it's, it's really good. It's well written. It's, it's pretty riveting. But of course, you know, like so many of these books, it reveals so many more moments in the craziness of the Trump White House. I'm kind of addicted to this. Uh, I'm reading these books so you don't have to. So you can listen to the podcast and I can purvey uh, what a lot of these books are saying. Cassidy Hutchinson now going around on her book tour. She's saying that she's ashamed. Ashamed of a lot of the things she did. She's ashamed of the stances that she took and the, and the viewpoints she had. And she sees that it was just influenced by being loyal to the president, who she ultimately, that was her ultimate boss. And after January 6th, she had kind of become a zombie. She thought it was horrible. She felt terrible about what they were responsible for. But she was still going to stay with Trump. She was going to go down to Mar-a-Lago. And at the last second, she decided she like woke up from the cult and realized this is wrong. I have become something I don't want to be. I never wanted to be. I need to get a new lawyer. And I need to talk to the January 6th committee again and tell the whole truth. My Trump lawyer advised me to not tell the whole truth. He's in huge trouble for that. He's going to go to jail, as are some other Trump lawyers who did the same thing to other clients. But now she's completely come clean. And one of the main messages is that we need to welcome people like her. It's kind of like deprogramming somebody from being in a cult. Now, I'm not saying that we should accept all of these people. Because a lot of them have decided consciously to stay with this evilness. Somebody like Ted Cruz, who she was an intern to. Somebody like Ted Cruz, who knows good and well that this is wrong. But he's addicted to the power. And he knows that he can't win re-election. Or at least, even if he can, the Republicans cannot hold their power in a democracy. So he and others are pushing for this country to change from a democracy into a dictatorship, into Nazi Germany. And yes, a lot of innocent people will be executed and jailed if that happens. So Ted Cruz can uh, go pack sand. What do they say? There's a lot of things I could say that I'm trying to, you know, not use nasty language on this podcast. So there's a lot of things in my mind. Go pound sand. Go... Tell your story walking, buddy. A lot of unforgivable people. But it's interesting to listen to somebody like Cassidy Hutchinson when she says, I was scared to death to turn on what I had become so loyal to. I was scared to death that I would be ostracized from everyone I know. I was scared to death that I would be absolutely alone in this world if I turned on Trump. Because that's what I had become so loyal to, and that's all I knew for a couple years. I was scared to death to do it. Somebody like her, we need to welcome them to do it. Do the right thing. We will welcome you back. 
onto Earth-1. And that's what we need to do. We need to keep that in mind. All right. We're going to take a short break and come back and talk about a massive amount of things that happened just in this last week. You're listening to A Satellite View. I'm Todd Mickelson. We'll be right back. Satellite View. If you like the music that you're hearing on this show, go to toddmickelson.com and press the music link. It's all original music that I have worked on over the years. You can find it there. Only if you like it. I'm not forcing you to do it. You're allowed to like this podcast and hate the music. I don't see that happening really, but, you know, I don't know. Things happening this week. Just today, we're hearing about uh, Hamas attacking Israel. Lot of lot of things to say on that. I am not a complete expert. I have some suspicions about it that I'm not going to go into right now because it's so new, and I j- I don't know that I should. Uh, put forth some of my opinions because they are controversial and I'm not really ready to stick to them yet. I do an immense amount of research before I say anything that I say on this show. I don't want to mislead anybody. I want to help us all keep together in making sure the truth gets through and that, you know, ways of uh, ways to argue against the craziness. Here is one thing, though, that's concrete. The Republicans, including Mike Pence, by the way, have been saying the U.S. gave $6 billion in taxpayer money to Iran, which was given to Hamas to attack Israel. That is an un-American, nasty lie, only designed to mislead their Magat supporters and fire them up. For some reason, the Republicans think that the Magots are going to be enough for them to win in an election. It's scary because it makes me think that they know they're not going to win the election and they're going to try and just get, have another uprising like January 6th, except this will be their second time, so maybe they'll do it better. I don't think they're going to be able to do that, but I think they think they're going to be able to do that. Now, the actual facts about that $6 billion, the U.S. did not give a cent to Iran. The U.S. unfroze $6 billion in Iranian money during a prisoner swap. Not a single penny of that has been spent. The money is in a bank account in Qatar, Qatar, however you say it, everybody says it different, and it's being monitored by the U.S. Treasury, and it can only be spent on humanitarian aid. They can't have access to it without going through us. 
All purchases must be verified by the U.S. Treasury Department. So the Republicans are lying. They know they're lying. And it's disgusting. It's something the Nazis would do. Victor She writes, Really important for all of us to remember, there are real humans in both Israel and Palestine who never asked for or wanted any of this to happen. Our hearts should go out to all of those innocent people who are being decimated right now. Hundreds killed just today. Moving on to other things. Dean Phillips, my congressman, uh, I'm a little miffed at him for doing this whole Biden's too old thing. I don't think Biden's too old. I don't think it matters how old you are. Uh, Biden has been doing some really great things. We have an incredible jobs report again that, again, is like two times better than all of the predictions for September and August, I believe, and July. The numbers have gone up. That always happens. They do a quick analysis and then they have more time to uh, study it and the numbers go up or down from their first announcement. Both July and August have gone up. A year ago, October 17th, 2022, in Bloomberg, forecast for U.S. recession within a year hits 100% in blow to Biden. That's how the news has always been since Biden became president. But now, oh, okay, it's a year later. There is no recession. They're saying there's not going to be a recession. This last month, wages have gone up more than inflation. Inflation always goes up, but it's a matter of, you know, when they say we have inflation, it's going up way too fast and way too high. Inflation is almost completely under control, and wages, in fact, have increased more than inflation this last month. Biden keeps working on the basics, and it demonstrates the good of government, and it can restore the trust in government that the GOP has been trying to ruin for 40 years since Reagan said, I work for government and I am here to help. That was kind of okay, I guess. Uh, Reagan imitation. He said that was the scariest thing anyone could say. And that's what the Republicans have been. They still run for office. <laughs> All these elected you know, people who won, Ted Cruz, he won his election, yet he says the 2020 election was rigged. How does that work? They have dumbed their followers down so hard. Speaking of dumb, Jim Jordan, he's so stupid. By trying to become speaker, he puts his role in the Ohio State sexual assault scandal back on front page news. He thinks it's going to be better for him now that he's saying that, I, 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 I want to be speaker, I'm going to be speaker. And then, no, don't talk over me, don't talk over me, I'm talking, I'm talking, I'm going to be speaker of the house. It's not going to bode well for him. He's Same thing with Matt Gates. It's just now there's Republicans telling some nasty stories about Matt Gates, showing them videos of young girls that he's having sex with, bragging about this on the House floor. Uh, nasty stories that are not even worth repeating, but involve sex with minors. <laughs> now, all of a sudden, the Republicans are saying, oh, yeah, the ethics report on him is going to come out any day now. They've been sitting on it. But now the time is right because he led the push to get rid of Speaker McCarthy. And by the way, let's all take a moment to celebrate the fact that Kevin McCarthy is all done and we don't need to 
hear his silly. I'm just here to say the Biden administration has done more harm to this country. I mean, we don't need to hear that anymore because there's not going to be microphones put in his face because he's no longer the Speaker of the House. He only made it a few months. A lot of people predicted this would happen, including me. I figured he would be done by the end of the year. Uh, Anyway, take some time to celebrate. No more Kevin McCarthy. The last of the young guns. The young guns. The last of the young guns is done. (laughs) In, In a matter of less than 10 years. The Republic, all the rising Republican stars, they all get snuffed out and go away and disappear. And we forget about them. And now that's happening with Kevin McCarthy. Celebratory event. Now, I, I mentioned um, my congressman, Dean Phillips, and then I said I was miffed at him about doing the Biden's too old thing. And then I went off on a tangent. I didn't finish that story. Now, another thing that I kind of, never felt perfectly comfortable with with Dean Phillips is that he's part of the problem solvers caucus in Congress. Now, I think that's good unless the other party is made up of nothing but terrorists, domestic terrorists, white nationalists, white supremacists, Nazis. And it seems like, I mean, I know there are some decent people who are elected official Republicans. And they were on the Problem Solvers Caucus. But what has happened now over the Kevin McCarthy ouster is that the Problem Solvers Caucus is splitting up. The Republicans are refusing to be a part of it anymore. So even when you try to reach across the aisle, which Dean Phillips was trying to do, I commend him for doing that. But I also was kind of like, you know, it's kind of like you know, what Barack Obama calls Joe Biden every day and says, Joe, don't give in. These people are crazy. They're not who they used to be. You remember what happened when I was there? We got pummeled. Don't give in. So I feel like that too. I feel like you can't deal with terrorists. You don't negotiate with terrorists. And it seems like even the Republicans in the Problem Solvers Caucus are now taking the side of the domestic terrorists. They just want to burn it all down. Now, ironically, it's because they're saying that the Democrats ousted Kevin McCarthy. In reality, Kevin McCarthy ousted Kevin McCarthy because he made promises to everybody, which means he's completely, you know, making a promise to one other person that if he holds up that promise, he's breaking the promise to somebody else. That's what Kevin McCarthy did. He ousted himself. But these problem solvers, Republicans, are blaming the Democrats. So it's kind of an ironic catch-22 type of thing. They want to work with the Democrats, and now they're saying the Democrats betrayed them by ousting the Republican Speaker of the House. They really thought that the Democrats were going to vote in favor of keeping a Republican Speaker of the House when that Republican Speaker of the House breaks his promises and goes against deals. And then he did get help from the Democrats for keeping the government open, and the very next day he goes on TV and ridicules and insults those same Democrats. Yeah, okay. Now you want their help again in staying in your position? No. No. Go pound sand, fella! 
so much, <laughs> so much this week. There's no Speaker of the House. There's war breaking out now in Israel, and we don't have an, uh, an ambassador to Israel because the Republicans are blocking it. We don't have leadership in our military because Tuberville Tuberville is blocking it himself. And then we have the uh, hilariousness of the, the whole Trump trial. Trump showing up on Monday and Tuesday, staying until lunchtime on Wednesday, and then leaving in a childlike tantrum. You know, he keeps saying, I don't have a jury trial. It's un- never happened, never happened. In the history of our country, it's like we've never been seen. I don't even have a jury trial. The reason he doesn't have a jury trial is because his own lawyers didn't ask for one when they should have, if if they wanted one. Now, it's true that he loses jury trials, too. (laughs) I personally think if he had a jury, it would go quicker and he would be, he would lose quicker. And in, in reality, he's already lost the case. It's just now, and there's no jury to decide what the damages will be. They're talking about $250 million. It's likely to be more like four or $500 million in the end because they're doing disengorgement because he engorged himself with money that he only got fraudulently. He lied about his assets. When he would go to a bank, he would say, I have a building that's worth $300 million. But then when he was going to pay taxes on that building, he would say it's worth $3 million. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't just like a little bit of difference, like, you know, $20 million and then $19 million. It, it was always like a thousand percent or multiple. I think one of them was marked up 4,300%. That's not a mistake, you know, <laughs> or that's not just, oh, I got two different appraisals. I'm going to pick the high one for getting a bank loan. I'm going to pick the low one for paying taxes. It's not that. It's just absolute fraud. And when you go and you tell, you lie to the bank and you say that, that something is worth, you know, a thousand or 4,000% more than it's worth, it's kind of similar to, to lying that you even have an asset. You're inflating the value of it so much that it's like, that, that doesn't exist. It would be the same as saying I have a building worth $100 million, and then they go check it out, and, and there's an empty lot. That, he marks it up so much. And the thing is, is that banks can only have a certain amount of money to lend, period. So Trump comes in, he takes three quarters of all of the bank's money because he lied about the valuation of a property. So the next guy only has access to one quarter of that bank's money. All of the rest of the people waiting in line only have access to that much. It's going to get cut off. And he got it fraudulently. So when he says, I paid him back, the banks are fine, I paid the loans back, it doesn't matter if you paid them back. When you lied about taking that money out, you took money away from other small business owners who want an actual loan, who are not lying about their assets. That's called fraud. Idiot. Mar-a-Lago was valued at like $27 million. The Trump family fought against that because they didn't want to pay that high of taxes. They brought it down as far as they could. So they got another valuation at $18 million by Florida authorities on the subject, not by any judge in this case or anything like that. 
So he's saying the judge says it's worth 18 million. It's actually worth a billion and a half. Okay, so pay taxes then on a billion and a half. Eric Trump started to say, it's, it's not worth 18 million. It's worth a billion. It's worth over a billion. So they're admitting, they're admitting that they do this fraud. Trump says, it doesn't matter what I wrote. And, and then uh, Jeff McConney came in. He's a controller of Trump Org. He's the guy who was going to testify right after Trump left. Trump knew that this guy was going to tell the truth and Trump didn't want to be in the room when he's completely humiliated and it's found out that he's completely lying because Trump knows that DJT is signed at the bottom of these evaluations that are lying. And Jeff McConney, he's told, you know, I, I committed tax fraud. He, he was given clemency, so he can't be punished for this in a deposition about a year ago in tax fraud case. And he said, I committed tax fraud being directed by Weisselberg, who was being directed by DJT, Donald John Trump. And now he testified that on Wednesday afternoon when Trump, and Trump, by the way, said, I'm stuck here. I'm stuck here for months. I would rather be in Iowa or North Carolina or New Hampshire. I would rather be there, but I'm stuck here. And then he walks out the door, gets in a car, goes to his airplane and flies down to Iowa. No, <laughs> to Florida. So you're not stuck there. And you wouldn't rather be in Iowa or New Hampshire or North Carolina. You'd rather be on your golf course by Mar-a-Lago. I'm sorry, I pronounced it wrong. Mar-a-Lardo. Comedy there. And then also another thing that happened this week is that we found out that, yes, our worst nightmare, or at least national intelligence and national security's worst nightmare, is that he's just telling people. He told some guy... Um, Anthony Pratt, who's a billionaire Australian, he said, oh, you should see our, our nuclear submarines. Now, this guy basically bought access, everything that they're accusing Joe Biden of, he bought access to the president by getting a uh, membership to Merrillardo after Trump became president. He's like, hey, I'll, I'll become a member. Trump, of course, ramped up the, the price of becoming a member to Merrillardo when he became president because he knew people would pay it so that they could have access. Our, our worst enemies were gaining access to Mar-a-Lardo because they knew that Trump would just be, oh, I get, let, let me tell you about our nuclear subs. I know about it because I, I am or was the president. And let me tell you all the details. It's really cool. And only I know it. Only I know it. I'll tell you all about it. Our biggest secrets. He told this guy, about capabilities of our nuclear submarines. And then this guy has been being investigated, although he didn't really realize it. You know, they're seeing his emails and everything. He's told at least 45 people himself about this. How many people did those 45 people tell? Now our intelligence is going to have to spend tons and tons of money and time investigating where these secrets went, and what do we need to do? Do we now, and we'll probably need to change our operations for our nuclear submarines. This guy has put us all in danger. He's costing us trillions more money than if he had not become president. Yeah. Well, 
that was that was fun. <laughs> We've gone over time again um, on this episode of a satellite view. I think we're on number thirty three or four now uh, episodes, and I think it's been a little more than a year that uh, I've been doing this a satellite view podcast, and it's getting more and more fun. I, you know, I I should say I'm starting to I'm starting to you know get the pace of it. I'm starting to realize what it is I'm doing, <laughs> which I uh, went months with uh, being completely, I don't know what I'm doing, but here, let's put this out. Anyway, thank you so much for listening. And we're uh, getting more accounts. Uh, we're opening up Instagram. Um, you can find me at Todd Mickelson on Twitter and find uh, more about a satellite view. And we're going to try and get it so that um, you can get on an email list. We're working on all of that stuff right now, trying to build the show. Um, but I, I thank you so much to my listeners. I've actually heard back from listeners, and it's, uh, it's a wild experience because I just record this, and then I edit it, and I publish it, and I don't know what's going on with it. And then people get back to me and say, hey, I just listened to your episode, and, and they want to talk about it with me. And it's really cool. So I'm going to keep doing it. I hope you find some value in it. Remember, we all need to take care of each other and help each other argue against the craziness. And we all need to help each other stay optimistic. Biden's kicking ass. Bidenomics is kicking ass. Kick ass jobs report for this last month. Again, wages rising more than inflation. Unemployment, lowest it's been for 50 years. Bloody bloody going on and on and on. Gen Z turning out for votes. It's going to be an incredible election in 2024. It may be the final blow that makes the Republican Party completely either stay in the lost in the forest for decades and decades, similar to what happened to them in the early 1930s, or I think more likely it'll make them go the way of the Whigs and they will be completely extinct. I don't know what comes after that, but it can't be as bad as it, <laughs> as it is now. So anyway, thanks again for listening. I'm Todd Mickelson. We'll talk to you next week. You've been listening to A Satellite View with Todd Mickelson. Go to ToddMickelson.com for links and more information.